Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, what do you do with what belongs to you? Like, how do you treat it? How do you care for it? Do you use it to maybe meet your needs and perhaps even the needs of those in your world? And have you ever had a moment where you use what belongs to you to maybe cross the line and get a little bit greedy? I have a story about that. Just recently, I was given a really great card with some affirming words. And in the card was a crisp $20 bill. Now I'm married and I'm a dad and so I haven't seen a $20 bill since I was in high school. And so I was excited about it and I thought, man, this is unexpected and it was unanticipated. And so I decided to do what every logical, reasonable, God-fearing man would do. I went and bought the largest iced chai I could and then I got my car washed and I spent all of the $20. What do you do with what belongs to you? Second question for you, what do you do with what belongs to someone else? Like, how do you treat it? Do you treat it better than how you would treat your own stuff? Just a couple of weeks ago, my sister-in-law let me borrow her car. I needed a car for the day. And she cares for her car well, and so I wanted to care for the car well. She has loved me and my wife and my kids so well, and so I wanted to love this gift that she had given us for the day. And so I did some things that were out of character. I drove the speed limit, I actually had a full and complete stop at every stop sign. None of this California roll. I actually stopped and looked both ways twice. And then when I returned the car to her, I wiped it down and I got my dirt out of it that I carried into it because I wanted to treat this car the way that Stacy, my sister-in-law, treats her car. What about you? What do you do with what belongs to someone else? We are in week two of a series called Heart to Hand. And if you're watching or listening for the first time, my name is Mike, and I'm so thankful that you're a part of the story that God is writing here at Active. But this conversation is all about the good work that God is doing in our heart and telling that story with what we do with our hands, with what we build with our hands. Because here's the truth. When Jesus is Lord of your life, it's something that just can't be contained by your life. When you give your heart to Jesus, It's something that transforms you and the world around you. This is for you, and it's something that takes effect through you. Like People around you will know that you are a follower of Jesus, that your heart has been given to Jesus in what you say and in what you do and how you treat people and how you live and how you behave. Jesus influences and shapes and transforms everything that you do, including what you do with your money, with your resource, with your riches, right? And the New Testament writers talk often about money, like more often than they talk about sin and even hell and some of the heavy conversations in the scriptures. And they talk about it because they understood that if Jesus is Lord of their life, if Jesus is in their heart, it will influence what they do with their hands. Jesus put it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So whatever it is that you treasure, 
your heart will chase after that. And if Jesus is your treasure, if Jesus is your Lord, everything that you do, everything you say, everything that you, you behave in, every, every choice you make will be influenced and shaped by the power of God, including your generosity. And the reason why the New Testament writers talk about your money and my money often is not because they need your money or because God needs your money. God's doing just fine. But the reason why they talk about it and the reason why Jesus talked about it is because God wants your heart. And the thing that God knew is something that we're realizing in life, that God's greatest competition for your heart is your money. And so God wants your heart and he wants you to be generous and he wants you to be someone that tells the story of Jesus. And this is why he talks about resource and wealth and money often, especially in the New Testament. And because of that, from the very beginning, God made two things very, very clear. And so I want to share those two things with you, and then I want to give you a best way forward. And so to get started, we're going to jump into the document of Psalms in the scriptures. And I'd love for you to follow along if you have a Bible or you have the Bible app on your phone. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 24 to start, and the verses will be on the screen for you if you're watching this. And this particular psalm is written by David, King David, the David that fought Goliath David. And he writes, on behalf of God, one of the two things that God wants to make very, very clear. Here's what he says. Psalms 24, starting in verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. And then David continues later on in Psalms 146, starting in verse 6. He says, he, and he's talking about God again, he is the maker of heaven and of earth, of the sea and everything in them. And he remains faithful forever. So here's what David is making clear and ultimately what God is making clear to every reader, to every person, to you and to me. He's making this very clear. One, God made everything. He is the creator of all things. Two, God owns everything. He is the sustainer of all things. And everything comes from God and everything belongs to God. This is what David, on behalf of God, is making very clear in the Psalms. And so the question that David wants us to wrestle with and ultimately God wants us to consider is what does God do with what belongs to him? And David goes, I'm glad you asked. Psalms 146 verse seven, he says, here's what God does with what belongs to him. He, God, upholds the cause of the oppressed with what belongs to him. He gives food to the hungry and sets prisoners free with what belongs to him. The Lord gives sight to the blind and he lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves righteousness. The Lord watches over the foreigner with what belongs to him. He sustains the fatherless with what belongs to him and the widow and he frustrates the ways of the wicked. David's being very clear here. God is generous with Everything that belongs to him, and just so we're clear, everything belongs to him. 
and God is generous with it. And then David gets really specific. Listen to the words he uses. He says, God gives and God lifts and God loves and God watches and sustains and God even frustrates the way of the wicked with what belongs to him. The point that David wants us to see and ultimately that God wants to communicate to you and to me is that with what belongs to God, God uses it to benefit you. And then he invites you to do the same thing. Now, the Jewish people who who followed God from the very beginning, the, the people of God, they were convinced and convicted that God is the creator and the sustainer of everything that we see and experience. And that God has graciously given that over to us. He's entrusted that to us. And the first Christians believe this too. Peter, who spent three years with God in the flesh, Jesus on earth, in response to spending time with him, here's what Peter wrote about what he learned from Jesus, about how God is the creator and sustainer. Everything belongs to God and God gives it to us. He graciously gives it to us for our benefit. Here's what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He says, everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by God's divine power. Everything we need for life and godliness, God has given that to us. This is why he's gracious to us. For all of this was lavished upon us. That word lavished is maybe not a word we would use in our day and age, but think about when you have a cup that's empty, maybe some ice inside and you're getting ready to pour a soda and you're pouring the soda, but you poured it too fast, right? And then that fear that comes that you see the foam rising, like that's what lavished means, that God has poured out on us everything we need for life and godliness and it can't be contained by us. It's like the soda overflowing from the cup, but it's actually a good thing. You won't get in trouble and it's not sticky. So this is what Peter is talking about here. He says that God has lavished this upon us through the rich experience of knowing him. That's important. Who has called us by name. Like God isn't giving these generous gifts to strangers to use however they want to use it. God knows us by name. He calls us sons and he calls us daughters. And he invited us to come to him through the glorious manifestation of his goodness. He's talking about Jesus here. Then in verse four, he says, as a result of this, he has given you magnificent, a magnificent promise Promises that are beyond all comparison, all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience, and don't miss this word, partnership. We can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires of the world. Just so we're clear, Peter says, listen, here's what I learned from Jesus. We've been given everything we need for life and godliness. And there was a goal in those gifts from God who created everything and everything belongs to him. The goal is this, partnership. That you would actually use what God has graciously given you to graciously serve those around you. That you would actually use what belongs to God in the same way that God would use it. That you would actually do what God has done for you in the world around you. And this is an invitation, friends. This is an invitation into generosity and it's an invitation to escape the corrupt life that Peter is writing about here because we can live a life where we get so wrapped up in our selfishness 
And what Jesus has invited us into is to live a life that's more selflessness, right? This is what Peter is saying. This is what he learned from Jesus. This is what David is saying. It's what he learned from God. And this was a way of life that God taught from really the very beginning. There's this prophet named Malachi, and he was a prophet in the nation of Israel. And he wrote a a letter in the scriptures, a document in the scriptures called Malachi. If you want to turn there, you can. We're going to be in chapter three, and we're going to start in verse seven. And as you're turning there, let me give you some background as to what he is saying so you have some context. God has watched his people. Those that say that they love God, serve God, and they go to church, they're going to the temple, right? God has watched his people ignore the people around them. They were living a very self-centered life. In fact, another prophet named Amos saw what was happening and spoke on behalf of God and called the people who were being so self-centered, he called them cows. Like that's not a compliment because what do cows do? They graze, they eat everything, and they don't serve a purpose. The only way that they're able to serve somebody is when they actually have their life taken from them, right? Like cows are fat and lazy and careless. And so the prophet Amos calls the people of God cows. You're fat and you're lazy and you're careless and you're misusing what God has graciously placed in your heart and in your hands. And so Malachi actually takes that idea and he expands upon it a bit and he's speaking on behalf of God. And in Malachi chapter three, starting in verse seven, he says this to the people as if God is speaking to them. He said, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And then everybody asks like, wait a second. So how are we to return to you? Malachi says, I've got an answer. Will a mere mortal rob God? And yet you robbed me. In other words, you can return to me when you stop robbing me, when you stop robbing and stealing from God. And so again, they're like, well, how are we, how are we robbing you and stealing from you, God? Malachi says, here's what God said to you and to me. You're robbing and stealing in tithes and in offerings. You have used what I have provided you. You have used what I have given you to build everything but the kingdom of God. You have used these gracious gifts from God. This is Malachi to the people. This is Amos to the people. This is God to us saying, you have used these gracious gifts that belong to me and you have used them to do everything but what I would do with those resources, with those gifts. And because of this, listen to what he says in verse nine. You are under a curse, not just you, but your whole nation because you are robbing me. I think that that's probably one of the most relatable scriptures in all of the Bible. And here's why. Because doesn't it feel like money problems are a curse? Don't they feel cyclical? Doesn't it feel like you just, right when you get above water, you you suddenly get pulled under again? Like that old classic line from the Godfather, just when I think that I'm out, they pull me back in, right? Like what Malachi is saying here is like, it feels like we're under a curse. It feels like financial struggles and financial issues. It just feels like we can't get above water. And the reason why is because we're using what God has given us for everything but what God would do with it. Malachi's honest about that. We've misused it. And, and by the way, this is why debt is so heavy upon us. Jesus said, and Paul wrote it down, let no 
debt remain outstanding except for the debt of love. Now, many have taken that very seriously and they don't have any debt. At the end of the month, they will pay off credit cards and they'll pay off all of their bills. And if they have a house payment, they'll work to pay that off or a car payment, they'll work to pay that off. Many people have really practiced that and I think been good stewards with that. My wife and I have practiced that. What Jesus is saying and what Paul wrote down is that the only debt that's really good debt is the debt of love. It's a response to what Jesus has done in our hearts and it's how we serve and care for those around us. We, we love them. We have a debt to God and so we're gonna serve those that God loves. But debt for us when it comes to our finances, debt is actually an indication that God has given to us everything that we need but we've decided to build our own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. And I think most people struggle with generosity, not because they refuse to be generous or they aren't generous. I think a lot of people struggle with generosity because they don't think that they have enough margin to be able to give. And here's the thing about margin. Margin isn't thoughtful. Margin is what is left over. And I think a lot of us said, if I could just have a little bit more, then I would be generous. If I could have a little bit more, then I would give. But the truth is, is you're not giving now because you don't think you have enough margin, there's never gonna be enough margin. You will never be satisfied with the space between what it is that you make and the bills that you have. This is why a budget won't solve your problems. A budget is good. A budget that gets you into the black instead of the red is a positive thing. But a budget won't transform your heart. A budget will just give you facts in front of you but Jesus transforms your heart and allows you to be intentional in your generosity. And this is where God steps up and gives us the best way forward. He says this in verse 10. So here's what you do. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now the word tithe is familiar to Christians, maybe not so familiar to those that are new to this. The word tithe is a Hebrew word and it means 10 percent. It's a a number that God gives us so that we can practice intentional generosity. Get this. God gives us everything that we need, and then God invites us to take just a piece of that and to practice generosity and to give it away. God isn't saying you have to give everything away. God is inviting us to live in the way that he has taught us and what he does with his stuff. He said, here's what I have, here's what I've created, here's what belongs to me, here's a gift to you, use it how I would use it. And I wanna invite you just to give this portion of it. Give this portion of it away to be intentional in your generosity. And the intentionality is found in what Malachi says in the middle of that, that text. He says, bring it to the storehouse. Now the storehouse was a place in their time that would help people and bring hope to people. They would bring their gifts and those gifts would be given away. This is where all the locals were gathered and they would talk and hang out and encourage each other. This was called the ecclesia in the New Testament. That's the Greek word for church. And here's the idea that they all had a personal responsibility to give a tithe so that people would meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus, so that people would understand God and begin to follow God. Friends, this is why And we'll talk about this next week and the week after in more detail. But this is why it's terrible when church leaders are using the gifts that people have given to the church to live a lavished, extravagant life. 
This is why it's terrible when they decide to build million dollar homes while people are struggling with practicing generosity and making ends meet. That is sinful, that is wrong, and it's not godly, and it's why Amos, the prophet Amos, called the Israelites cows, because they were just grazing. They weren't living in this. This invitation of giving generously to the church, giving generously to the storehouse, is so that the kingdom of God can be built and that Jesus can be known and that the people of God continue to live in the power of God. Because generosity is something we learn from God. He has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. I have a friend who's a pastor at a church in Vegas. His name is Shane. He shared a story with me recently about generosity. He was talking about this very idea with his church. And after it was over, he had a friend come up to him and his friend asked him this question. And this is the conversation they had. The friend came up and said, so am I understanding this right? That a tithe is 10%. And so I give 10% over the course of a year to the church of what I've made. And Shane said, yes. And he goes, Shane, I make $150,000 a year. So that means I would give around $15,000 of what I've made away? And Shane goes, yes. And his friend goes, dang, that's, that's a lot of money. Like, could you, could we just pray right now? I could use some prayer about doing this because that's just, that's just a lot of money. And Shane said, sure, I'd love to pray for you. (laughs) And Shane said, my prayer was this, dear God, Help my friend to make less money so that he can be more generous. And his friend goes, wait, wait, you want me to make less money? And he said, yeah, because you're not generous with what you have now. So if you get more, there's no guarantee you'll be generous. Maybe if it was a little bit tighter, you could be a little bit more intentional. Because this wasn't about the man's money. Because God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. And at Active, we want your heart to be stirred for the kingdom of God. This is about my heart and about your heart. I'm not excluded from this. In fact, I am a part of this as much as you're a part of this. And I want to be somebody that uses what God has given me the way that God uses it in this world. I want to be generous because this is all about a heart that's generous. And then listen to the promise when we're generous, when we practice the tithe, listen to the promise from God. In verse 10, he says, test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there is not any room enough to fill it. There is not a storeroom to fill everything that I'm going to give you. Could I just take a moment and talk about the floodgates at Active Church? Friends, in the last seven years, over 1,000 people have been baptized at Active. Now, that might seem like just a number to you, but at Active, it's not. It's every story and every name of each individual person, like Jacob and Jordan, two really great new friends of mine who decided to surrender their life to Jesus and depend upon him. And they got baptized with their oldest daughter. It was a beautiful moment. That's a floodgate moment. That's a miracle of God moment. Hundreds of people every year, even during a pandemic, are getting baptized and trusting in Jesus because of your generosity. Like when we think about what's happening at Active Kids, it's a miracle. Hundreds and hundreds of kids are coming to find and follow Jesus. Parents are trusting us at Active to care and be compassionate and love their kids. In fact, one really great story happened just this summer. 
where a group of kids showed up in between their baseball game. They played a game in the morning, they invited their whole team, they showed up, stinky, sweaty, smelly, but they met Jesus and learned to follow Jesus and we febrezed afterwards. Like it was a beautiful moment. And then these parents left and took all the kids back and they played their second game, but they prioritized being here because of the church that you're building through your generosity. I think about all the the new faces that are showing up. Those that you've invited, that you've built trust with and have relational equity with. That's a miracle. People who have not ever met Jesus before are finding and following Jesus. People who were hurt by the church and by Christians in the past are finding a safe and grace-filled place because of your generosity. Like that's just a small taste of the floodgates. God's promise when you connect your heart to your hand. Like your generosity, I don't want you to miss this, whether it's $1 or $1,000, your generosity is changing the world. Your generosity is changing your world. Your generosity is changing lives. This is why we connect our heart to our hand. And listen, you might be watching this going, Mike, you're a professional Christian. You're paid to say that, right? And maybe you're right. So don't take my word for it. How about taking my friend Devin's word for it? Devin is an incredible leader here at Active. Devin is an incredible friend. She's one of our elders. And so would you welcome, I know you're watching, listening. Could we just clap for Devin as she comes in? Hi, Devin, how are you? Good to see you. So you you got to hear uh, me share this incredible message. Yes, (laughs) it was. (laughs) Um, A couple questions for you, just Mm -hmm. because I love your your story of generosity. Um, Why did you struggle with generosity to start? Mm -hmm. What changed in you and what's happening now? Okay. Um, I think when we talk about what's, what the struggle was initially, I think in every relationship, there's a saver and a spender. Hmm. And my husband, Jeremy, yep. is the saver and I'm the spender. I could have guessed that. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and many years ago, I had a failed business and my spending habits was sort of what I was using to hmm. couch all of the emotion of that failure. And that led us into some credit card debt. Hmm. Um, an aggressive amount, and I wasn't honest at the time with Jeremy on how bad it had gotten. Yeah. And so it becomes really hard in your mind at the time to think if I'm balancing minimum payments and we're trying to figure out what bills to pay, um, giving at church almost felt um, like a chore. Sure. It didn't feel like something. Because there's no margin. There You've was, got a ton of debt. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I would love to do this. Right. But these two factors are not allowing me to do this. Makes sure. it hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. Um, what changed is when you can't hide things from your partner yeah. like that long. Yeah, right. And so once Jeremy became aware of how poorly I was mismanaging our, our money, um, he met me with grace hmm. and forgiveness. Hmm. And Which is who he is. It is, yeah. I'm very, I'm very lucky because I think in a lot of relationships and marriages, we hear the, that ends tragically, Absolutely. right? For a lot of people. It's like the number one reason why marriage is in. Right. Because of financial issues. Yeah. Yes. And so I was really lucky yeah. to be fair. Yeah. And um, it also allowed both of us in that moment to have a really honest conversation hmm. about, there's one thing to hide credit card spending, Yeah. but what were we hiding from God, mm-hmm. right? That's good. Why was I being frivolous and his take on money was almost driven from a place of fear? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when we're able to have that, when you hit rock bottom, sometimes the only transportation out is a leap of faith. Yeah. 
and um, we'd, we'd heard sermons, we'd read the Bible, yeah. we'd been in group week, we understood this concept of tithing, but never had gone all in, yeah. never had just tried it and said, we're gonna lob this one to God because he says he can do it. Yep. He says we can trust him with yep. that. And so we agreed to go all in mm -hmm. on tithing. And um, once we made that, when you said, you know, what changed and what's going on now, to say God has blown us away hmm. is like Floodgates. a it's like a yeah. massive understatement. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anybody to think that it's magic, yeah, right? right? Like my Capital One payment didn't disappear, right? I had to like make that and finish I mean, you that out. For it, right? Right? You prayed for it, right? You prayed for that to disappear. Right? It just didn't go away, um, strange. Yeah. But what happened was, you know, we had work opportunities, our businesses flourished, right? And we had, um, when you talk about, earlier when you were talking about full heart change, Yes the things that you try to fill yourself up with, they almost become disgusting mm. and unimportant. Mm. And you realize um, how fun it is. And so where before it felt like if I tossed a 20 in, I felt panicked, like yeah. now I lost that money to pay this. Yeah. It becomes, wow, when I'm not filling up with stuff and things and when we're being more diligent and when we're paying attention yeah. to where the money is going, yeah. how much more money you have. Wow. And so I think um, now nobody could convince us differently that there isn't a direct correlation between practicing generosity and abundance, yeah. not just financial freedom, but yes. abundance. And so um, I view Jesus like a business partner yeah. and he is irresistible as a business partner because he doesn't let me down. Yeah. And um, I keep a spreadsheet yeah. and I've kept one year over year for the past several years because I love watching what I feel like he and I are building together. Mm. And so mm. I can see a number and think halfway through the year that that might feel like unattainable, like Jesus, where's that money gonna come from? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, each year I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. And I almost feel like when's that gonna wear off, but it, it doesn't and mm. it hasn't. And mm. so um, Jesus is the best business partner that Jeremy and I have. And I think that what I felt from Jeremy was massive, right? Yeah. When you receive yeah. that grace and forgiveness yes. from someone that you love, but it paled in comparison to what I got from Jesus. Yeah. The forgiveness, the shackles of debt, the shame all falling off. Yeah. Um, I wished I would have done it way sooner. Sure. You know? Sure. And so, yeah, that's, that's so our story. So what I heard was it wasn't just like a you problem. You right. were both kind of, there was a fear in Jeremy. Mm -hmm. There was a, maybe a shame in you. Yeah, for sure. And so there was a healing that God needed to do in your marriage and your relationship yeah. financially. But then there was a dependence upon God yeah. that, yeah, we still got to pay these bills, but we also, we just want to be generous people. Yeah. And so it wasn't this obligation of like, <laughs> uh, God's twisting my arm to do right. this. It was, how do I, how do I lean into this yes. and just take him at his word, yes. right? And then we use this phrase like, the blessings all the time in, in, yeah. in the church. And I think sometimes we've we've soured one another with that phrase. Right. And so let's not use it. Let's let's call it floodgates, right? Mm, like yeah. the floodgates weren't that all of a sudden you had checks showing up. The floodgates mm -hmm. were you and Jeremy were growing in your relationship yeah. with each other and your faith in God was deepening. And then you were able to find like, hey, we have a little bit of room here. Like we, we can give here and give there. And then you saw life change happen in front of you. Complete. Like, and then you partnered with God. That's what Peter talked about. Like yeah. you joined in the work that God was doing, used what God gave you the way that God would use it. Yes. And yeah. it is so much fun. 
Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I love, it's my favorite bill to pay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you want to have fun, <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> I love your story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Would thank you just you. hang for a minute? I want to yeah. pray for them. And, sure. But I, I just want to summarize what we've talked about. So remember, everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God. And that God has invited you to use it how he would use it. And so we have an opportunity in front of us, friends. This isn't about building bigger buildings and getting nicer cars and ministry leaders doing things that are inappropriate with resource. This is about us being full of integrity and full of character and full of the Holy Spirit and asking the question, God, this is what you've given us. How can we use this the way that you would use this? Whatever it might be, whether it's a dollar or a thousand dollars, whether it's a penny or it's a quarter, whether it's, it's you saying, this is what I have right now, or saying, hey, here's an abundance that I'm gonna give. All of it matters. And so in just a minute, our team is gonna walk you through ways that you can actually practice the tithe here at Active. And I want you to get started today. And if you think that there's an ulterior motive, I want you to know this. Don't give to Active. Find a different church to give to. You can come, you can watch, you can listen, you can sit, you can be a part of what we're doing. But if you think there's an ulterior motive here, then find a different church to give because I want you to experience what Devin just talked about. I want you to experience what we just read about because it all belongs to God. God gives it to you and he invites you to be generous because that's how you connect your heart to your hands. Let's pray together. And so Heavenly Father, we are grateful for honest, real, genuine conversations not filled with shame or filled with guilt or obligation, but filled with invitation. And so God, I pray that we would say yes to the invitation to step into generosity, intentional generosity, and do with what you've given to us, use that the way that you would use it and treat it the way that you would treat it so that the world would change, hearts would change, lives would change, and people would meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. And it's because of Jesus that we can do this. So we're grateful. And we pray in his name. And together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.